instead of throwing everything away and then having to replace it all <laughs> and not knowing with what, why don't I just concentrate on these? Why don't I just start with my why, which is what I recommend my clients yeah. do and what I do in this book too, because not only does it help keep you on track when things get hard, but also it really helps you narrow down. So I thought, what if I just concentrate on those ingredients to avoid first that just have to do with ADHD, which is yeah. um, what my son was having issues with or symptoms of. Um, so when you start there, that's a really great starting place. And then I really believe that if you address what's in your kitchen, what's in your bathroom with your personal care and cleaning products, and what's with your cleaning products, that if you just concentrate on those three areas, you can make a big impact on your home. So just starting small in those areas. And then to help decide what can make the biggest impact in your home, I kind of developed this READ method, I call it um, R-E-A-D. And if you follow these four steps, you can follow them all in the same week or day, or you know, just a few at a time, you can make a big impact. So. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am your host, Nicolette Richet, and it is an incredible year 2022 bye bye 2021 2022 is going to be different for all of us we know so much more we have learned so much more over the last couple of years and now is our chance to truly do things differently and one of the things that you can do is get started in your home cleaning it up one thing that that COVID taught us is that there's not really a lot of media coverage out there that's been sharing that the number one thing we need to do in a pandemic, before a pandemic, at all times, is to clean up our lifestyles. This food, this podcast is all about food, using food first to reverse chronic diseases, to heal your mind, your body, your spirit. But one of the things we like to cover on this show as well is the knowledge around cleaning up the chemicals in your home. And that's why I'm really excited to have Tanya Harris on our show. Now, Tanya Harris has a, master, a master's degree in science and holistic nutrition. She's board certified in holistic nutrition, so she knows about food. But that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about her knowledge in environmental toxicity. She is a specialist with certification from the Integrative Medicine Academy. And she's here to teach you how to clean up your workspace, how to clean up your home, how to clean up the places that your kids play, your bathroom, your cosmetics, all of it. One thing that's really unique about Tanya is that she's also a childhood leukemia survivor, and she's passionate about eradicating toxins that surround her. She's also a mother and one of her children has ADHD and another has learning disabilities. And she has seen the direct effect of how when you clean up the toxins in your environment, it can make a huge, massive difference in the health of your children as she has seen it happen with her children. Now she dedicates her entire life, her time and all her efforts in helping others do the same. Tanya has an incredible book called The Slightly Greener Method, and you're going to learn about why I love this book, The Slightly Greener Method. And she's written that, written that for people so that they can learn how to take baby steps in their home. So you don't have to do it all overnight. You can do this in baby steps. But the whole entire point is that you get started today. So start with this podcast, and I will see you at the end of the show where we talk about all the wonderful things that we're launching this year in 2022 
through the green mustache and richer health are companies that are all about helping you learn how to reverse your chronic degenerative diseases, starting with food, food as medicine. So let's welcome Tanya Harris to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Nicolette Richet, and on today's show, we have the wonderful Tanya Harris. Thank you, Tanya, for being on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. It is really a pleasure having you, as I was just saying, like before we started recording here, that, you know, we focus on our podcast so much on chronic disease reversal, using food as medicine. And while I teach my clients how to detoxify their kitchen and their food, um, and and I, I teach them how to detoxify their home, we haven't actually done a podcast where it's really, really focusing on those external toxins that are around us, like in our home and our workplace. And um, so I'm really excited to really just dive deep into all of this and really tell our audience exactly what they need to know so that they can start taking the steps today to really cleaning up their environment. And then of course, clean up your food as well. But this one's going to be really all about, um, you know, the things that we do in around our home and workplaces and schools. So I'm really excited to dive into this with you. Oh, exciting. Me too. So um, I just want to go back to, because when I first read your story, um, I thought potentially it stemmed because you had childhood leukemia. And that, yeah. yes. And how old were you when you were first diagnosed? Oh, sure. Um, I think it, well, yeah, it was about two weeks before my seventh birthday. And um, actually, I'm coming up on 40 years diagnosed um, in this January, which wow. is, yeah, when I think about that, it's just incredible. That is amazing. Yeah. And did any of the work that you're doing now, um, you know, have you thought about how and looked at the research and how that relates to leukemia? Or, and I know you have another story because your children, you have three children, you're an awesome busy mom of three and um, a couple of them, I think, or one has a learning disability. And yeah. so just tell us the relationship between you being diagnosed with leukemia, your childhood's disability, and then the toxins and where all of that stemmed from your knowledge into all of this. Oh, sure. Yeah, it really wasn't until 2006 that it really came into play. Um, I was diagnosed back in 1982. But um, yeah, it was really when my son was in second grade that it kind of came full circle. But he started having attention issues at school. And the school had called me in to talk about it and to get him tested. And I don't know if it was just my past of being told to be careful what I eat. But I went home and I just asked for a little bit more time. So I went home and did a bunch of research. And back then in 2006, it wasn't as easy online, Um, but I did so much. I read a lot of books, did some online. And what I found was there's a couple of ingredients, um, artificial colors and benzoate preservatives, like a sodium benzoate can actually cause hyperactivity. So I had seen the symptoms at home. I wasn't super surprised, but still I was wondering if there was something that could be contributing to his symptoms. So I removed those from his diet. And then when I went back to the school just a few weeks later to do the follow-up appointment, they no longer saw a need to test him. So while we definitely did not cure him, we still see the symptoms and he's 23 now. <laughs> um, oh. we, we, yeah, we lessened them enough that he could pay attention longer in school. And then that's really when I became hooked on, you know, maybe there's a more natural approach. And I don't judge anybody who medicates because we would have done that route had nothing else worked, but we were just lucky enough that this did work. 
Um, and then I started doing more research and found that, oh my gosh, there's so many different things that can be lurking in our products. And it's not just what we eat. It's also what we inhale and what we put on our skin. And that's really when I decided to um, dig in a little deeper and be able to help other parents to, right. you know, help their children as well. Yeah, that's incredible that you went down the path of, you know, diving into the research because a lot of people do that. They will go to Google and, you know, or go into like somebody who might be going to Google Scholar where you get access to all the journal articles as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, people will go down that that research path and you can come up with lots of different, you know, solutions. But the difference between what you did and just researching is that you took action. You actually said, okay, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to cut it out. I'm going to see if that makes a difference. And I think that I just have to say, um, thank you for doing that because by doing that, you've now created all of this other incredible learning and how to's and, you know, paths that other people can follow because you've lived it out with your child. So I just have to say, thank you for actually taking action. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. It's a, yeah. And, and it is also a lot to do that because I have three kids as well. And I know what it's like, you know, like we're constantly battling, like between like my kids are teenagers and the stuff that they're bringing home now, food wise, I'm just like, why are you eating that? Yes. You know, and you know, they're like, it tastes good. And I make my own money so I can buy it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now earlier you said um, that you had always been mindful about like the kinds of food foods that you needed to eat was that as a result of having leukemia and who had mentioned that to you um right. yeah my doctors had mentioned that to me growing up so um I really went through chemo from first to fourth grade but I really went through um first grade through the age of 21 being seen by the doctor at least every right. year yeah. so um I was really being told to be careful what I eat that whole time Right. And at any point had the doctors indicated potentially why you have leukemia and just for any of our audience listening out there, they know that when I work with clients, I, I don't try and find the source of the illness because there's often so many multiple, like multiple different things that can affect your genes that could turn, you know, oncogenes on and off that allow cancer to thrive um, or your body to actually deal with the cancer on its own without you knowing. So I'm not always looking for the source, but at the time, like, had they ever given given any indication? No, um, we're not sure. And I've never really tried to find out or the source just because yeah. it's kind of scary. It <laughs> um, is scary. Yeah. So, yeah. but I just know that there's so many different factors um, that can, like you said, turn genes on or off or, you know, um, nobody else in my family got it. So why at the age of almost seven, did I get it? Yes. But so there's really no clear explanation. I've done a little bit of research and this is just totally side note, <laughs> a little uh, research on the side, but to me, it kind of triggers me. So I don't do a whole lot of what could cause that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just curious at all because that was a, a, you know, a long time ago, we've made lots of advancements in exactly. certain ways. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot more that we know now and we know how diet affects the health and we know how toxins affect, you know, the production of our cells in healthy ways. And we know a lot more, but at the same mm -hmm. time, so I think it's more important just to know all the different areas of our life that we can clean up. But I was just curious if, you know, yeah, had anybody a great question. Ever, 
Yeah, I know. And I've never told anybody that before either, that I just don't do the research because it's scary. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so. no, of course it does. Yes, of course. It, and that's why I don't go yeah. there with my clients as well. Like uh, some people will say it's trauma related and some people say it's toxin related and some people will say it was their diet or, oh, yeah. you know, whatever it was. But, and I just say, you know what, let's just focus on what we need to do now to ensure our health for years to come. So you have an incredible book, which I need to get my hands on called The Slightly Greener Method, which is all about detoxifying your home. Um, and, you know, so in easier, faster, less expensive ways. And, and I just love that because it's really important. It's in there we're in the day and age where we have to think of so many different things. And so it needs to be cheap. It needs to be fast. It needs to be easy. So I love that, um, that you made that book. So for everybody out there, we're going to have the links below. Can we dive into some of the toxins that you talk about in your book that are like absolutely necessary that we stay away from and what can we do in in and around our homes and our offices to that are easy quick and fast oh sure well it's such a great question and it's such a big question too because there's so many places where these can lurk so in this book what I did really was um <clears throat> excuse me the way I started was I wanted to start well, actually I started way too big is what I should say. I started way too strong, drove myself and my family nuts. You know, I told my kids no more of this anymore, no more of that. So what I really found was what if instead of throwing everything away and then having to replace it all and not knowing with what, why don't I just concentrate on these? Why don't I just start with my why, which is what I recommend my clients yeah. do and what I do in this book too, because not only does it help keep you on track when things get hard, but also it really helps you narrow down. So I thought, what if I just concentrate on those ingredients to avoid first that just have to do with ADHD, which is yeah. um, what my son was having issues with or symptoms of. Um, so when you start there, that's a really great starting place. And then I really believe that if you address what's in your kitchen, what's in your bathroom with your personal care and cleaning products and what's with your cleaning products. That if you just concentrate on those three areas, you can make a big impact on your home. So just starting small in those areas and then to help decide what can make the biggest impact in your home, I kind of developed this read method, I call it um, R-E-A-D. And if you follow these four steps, you can follow them all in the same week or day <laughs> or you know, just a few at a time, you can make a big impact. So if you want me to go into those, I can yeah, go yeah, okay. let's dive into those because I think they're absolutely great and it's easy to remember and it can allow people to get started literally like the minute this podcast is over. Okay, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so R stands for replace and that's replace plastics in the kitchen. And the reason for this is because if you heat foods or you heat your plastic up, one thing that can happen is that the chemicals can leach into the foods or beverages. So some of these chemicals can be BPA or phthalates and phthalates made the news a couple of years ago um, for, lower, for showing that parents who had, or moms who had higher levels of phthalates in their bodies, their kids had lower IQ after birth um, up until the age of seven. And then um, BPA is linked, to, uh, is linked to behavior issues in children. And um, the phthalates can also act as endocrine disruptors meaning that they can get into the way of our hormones doing their jobs. They can block or mimic hormones or they can over or underproduce, which is dangerous for all of us, but especially for kids during certain times of development. So, um, so many issues in the body can crop up. So that's really why we want to avoid plastics in the kitchen. So that means um, maybe replacing food storage containers. And instead of looking at all your containers and going, oh my gosh, I have so many, 
just start out the slightly greener way and just look at your top one or two or three most used sizes and replace those first. Yeah. And same thing with um, reusable water bottles and even beware of things that still are plastic to say BPA free, because commonly what companies will do um, is they'll replace the BPA, which is bisphenol A, with something like bisphenol S or bisphenol F, which are shown to have similar, if not a little bit stronger health effects. So um, if you do buy something and say it's a glass storage container, but it has a plastic lid, because this is another question I get, is to put the hot food into the glass storage container and then let it cool and don't let it hit that plastic lid before you put it in the fridge. So that's one easy thing to do is just replace a few food storage containers at first. Yeah, I love that. And it it is very doable to do this now in 2021 because there's so many great companies that have, um, you know, really great metal containers, glass containers uh, that are easy to travel with for the kids. You know, they all stack into each other. They're, They're fantastic. So really now there's no excuse for doing it because they're available everywhere. The other thing you can do that I just wanted to mention a lot of those containers that are made by these really great companies, they can also be expensive. So you can also just save a lot of, like we just save jars, um, or you can even go to the Reusit Center and get jars and use those. And then we use like mason jars because they're so durable that they can go in your kid's backpack and you know they just have the nice metal lid on them. And then you can, you're able to use those as containers and those cost like their pennies are free even. So just to let people know, like when it's coming, when it comes to replacing placing these containers, especially for our kids, we can keep it simple and inexpensive as well. Such a great point. I know I talk about that too in my cleaning products. I save so many glass bottles. <laughs> so yeah. they come in handy for so many different things. So many things. I, you know, and about the BPA too, I love that you brought that up that often when a company is called out for having a chemical that is found to be toxic and dangerous, that they often will replace it with just a very similar product. Like right now, that's what's happening with Bayer who bought Monsanto and they have glyphosate well now there's not no longer glyphosate it's called liberty but it's still basically the same product you know they changed a couple things but it's still a toxic substance and so don't get fooled by a company using a name like liberty you know like you know to instead of glyphosate um but yeah this happens with companies all the time uh so i love that you brought that up about you know even if it says bpa free you got to check the other things The other thing I wanted to mention that was really interesting that happened to me when I was pregnant with my first child is my scent, like my smell became so acute and I had this amazing plastic hiking water bottle from Mountain Equipment Co-op, which we have all over Canada. And I think maybe they have Mountain Equipment Co-op. It's like a sporting goods store, really big sporting goods store. And I kept on saying, ew, the water tastes really gross. Like it really tasted like chemicals. And I thought it was my water, even the water filtered water taste, it would sit in the bottle for 10 minutes and taste terrible. And I wasn't putting hot water in there. It was just like regular room temperature water, cold water. And I kept saying, everybody's like, I can't taste this. I can't taste this. So I went back and bought a new water bottle thinking some my other one was damaged. And then all of a sudden, MEC recalled across the whole country, recalled every single one of their water bottles because that was the first time the BPA uh, awareness came out. And I, if I hadn't been pregnant, I wouldn't have smelled it because I never smelled it afterwards. But of course, I didn't. I stopped using plastic water bottles at that point. Um, what can you suggest 
for people like myself, like I'm an endurance athlete. And so I'm on my bike a lot. And so I have water bottles that sit in my bike holders, but have you found any good solutions for athletes that have to throw their water bottles around? Oh, that's a great question. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because another thing I get asked a lot is, you know, when you have the water bottle in the car and it heats up and gets those plastic chemicals, can I put it in the fridge when I get home? It's like, no, the plastic chemicals already leached, unfortunately. Um, But for athletes, that's a great question too. I mean, I think just like a stainless steel water bottle that you can get and rinse it out after every time. Um, The good news, like you had mentioned too, is that a lot of these companies are responding with better products. So now there are a lot of great stainless steel options and glass options. And there are some glass um, water bottles that are covered in silicone. So then they won't break. So I hope that answers that question, but. Yeah, um, no, that's a good idea. I I forgot about the silicone wrapped glass bottles and I can put those in my bike for sure. Yeah, Yeah. so that would work. Um, And the stainless steel bottle, so that's good. Um, Okay, good. What is the E in the read method? Oh, sure. That's eat organic as often as possible. And I know sometimes that's a little difficult, but the good news is that if you eat organic for as little as a few days, the pesticide levels in your body can dramatically drop. And pesticides can act again as hormone disruptors. They can be toxic to the brain and nervous system. Some are linked to ADHD. There's so many different reasons why we should avoid them. Um, And if you cannot eat organic, following the environmental working groups, 30 dozen, which has the highest levels of pesticides tested, um, or the clean 15, which has the lowest, you can buy conventionally grown of the clean 15, the the foods listed on there. Um, but there's so many different reasons. And there's also some differing studies too, with whether or not organic is more nutritious, is more nutritious and worth it. But for me, I like to err on the side of caution because I've also seen studies that show it's not only what organic has, it's what it doesn't have. And it has fewer heavy metals. Um, like I think it was cadmium was one of them listed. Um, but some did show that they did have more vitamin content and nutrient and antioxidant content. So for me, it is completely worth it. Yeah. And you reminded me of a study um, I used to teach. So I used to, I worked on our pesticide bylaw for the resort municipality of Whistler. And I used to teach about pesticides and needing to um, eliminate them out of our communities. But one of the studies that I remember presenting was they had children who were ate conventionally grown food that was sprayed and children who ate only organic food and same age, same community. And the child would had to drop a marble into a jar from about four inches above the jar. And the kids that ate conventionally grown food would miss more times. Like they wouldn't be able to get the marble in the jar, but then they would switch the kid who were eating non-organic and put them onto organic. And within a week, they were able to neurologically be able to make the connection. And it was just such a simple study that was done. But then what they did is they measured their pesticide levels um, in these kids and they saw them drop by like 90%. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, it is that's like, brought that up. yeah, such a great wow. study. So I, you just reminded me about it. I totally forgot about it. So that's amazing. Yes, and eating organic, like with, with our clients who want to reverse the chronic diseases really have to focus on eating organic because they need to close up their tight gap junctions in their gut mm-hmm. lining, which is connected to their brain health. And so that gut brain axis can't heal with when you're eating conventionally sprayed foods. So it's really important for that. So I love that you bring that up. A, what is A? 
Okay, A is to avoid artificial fragrance. Mm. And that's because that one term fragrance can be made up of dozens of chemicals and we really don't know what they are because they're considered to be a trade secret. So companies are not required to disclose the individual ingredients. And um, I think the, I cannot remember the exact chemical association, but they've listed about 3000 different chemicals that can make up fragrance. And some of them are toxic to the brain and nervous system. They're allergenic. They can cause their hormone disrupting, cancer causing so many different things. And we just don't know what they are. So avoiding um, plug-in air fresheners, spray air fresheners, things like that. Um, and I hate to say candles because it's a big one. Um, people get nervous. Yeah. I'm, I love candles. So it was hard for me, <laughs> but yeah. um, if we can Any avoid candles, that, all candles, there are safer brands, which I love because it's just so, I love when we can replace something with something that is truly safer because yeah. this shouldn't be a lifestyle of deprivation when yeah. we're reducing toxins. The more we can make this work for our lifestyle, the better off and more sustainable these changes will be. Yeah. So, so what are, are some safe. of the safer options for candles? If you look for lead-free wicks, um, there's a lot out there with beeswax instead of regular paraffin wax, which can let off cancer causing fumes and yeah. just off gas into the air. Um, there's some that are made with coconut wax, which I think is super interesting. Um, oh, and they yeah. have great scents and they're scented with essential oils. So if we can look for something like that, it's a great re replacement. And then yeah, just burning awesome. them on special occasions, not all the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and not maybe having a hundred of them going on at the same right. time in your house too. Like everybody wants to have candles everywhere. Um, exactly. Yeah, for air quality, especially, it's actually really important that you try and avoid that. And I, that's interesting about the lead-free wick because I didn't know about that at all. And yeah, about 20 years ago, I used to make candles, but back then we weren't thinking about a lot of these things. Exactly, we didn't know. No, no. Um, with the artificial fragrance and like the 3000 different chemicals that make up fragrance, um, do you know much about the testing that goes on behind this, these I, chemicals? I'm not as really worth the testing behind the, the chemicals, no. Yeah, because I read a statistic that something like 80,000 chemicals come out every single year that are basically not really tested oh. they're very short-term studies and then of yeah. course when you look at like the accumulation of all of these like 80,000 different chemicals in our life it's like what is that cumulative effect and so I just wasn't sure if you'd um yeah dove into like it would just be an interesting maybe for a second book where you you even just talk about like testing around these things oh yeah um, well, I didn't know if you meant all in general or yeah. just in the fragrance chemicals, but yeah, yeah, chemicals overall, even in the personal care and beauty products, a very small percentage has been tested. Um, and there's so many loopholes in these safety acts. So some of them, they can get away with not disclosing the ingredients, especially for cleaning products, because it's considered to be a trade secret. And again, fragrance is in a lot of cleaning products. It's in a lot of beauty products. And sometimes you'll see it listed as parfum, um, which right. sounds super fancy. <laughs> Yeah. like spa-like, but there's still the same chemicals, but there's so many different loopholes. And, and again, um, a lot of these, just because of the, the laws right now, they're kind of easy to get through some of these loopholes that there is yeah. just very, a very small percentage, even some that weren't around when we were younger, as we were kids, yeah. that our kids are being exposed to now. Exactly. And even though when they put the word natural fragrance in front of it as well, it does, I bet you that does not mean natural. Yeah, I still don't trust it. <laughs> I yeah. like to see made with essential oils or yeah, <laughs> something yeah. along those lines. Exactly, um, exactly. And are there some good essential oil companies that you recommend? 
Um, I really like mountain rose herbs. Um, that's one I use and green envy is another one. And I okay. really think that those are probably the two I get most of mine from. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. We'll put the links on there so people can um, get access to that and see where they can order them from. Um, okay. D in the read method. Oh, sure. That is dust. And it's another one people don't like to hear because they think I'm going to tell them dust your house 24 <laughs> seven. Um, but the thing is, dust is actually one of the biggest exposures to household chemicals, um, believe it or not, because I was surprised when I read that. But uh, George Washington University did some studies and they found um, so many different things in dust that we would not be thinking about, like uh, flame retardant chemicals, which mm. can act as hormone disruption and again, be toxic to the brain and nervous system. Um, they also found phthalates, which again, hormone disrupting chemicals, and then even lead. So even if our house wasn't built in, you know, that 1978, yeah. these two, yeah. um, we could be bringing it in on our shoes, even from the soil. There's so many different ways these things can make their way into our homes. So one of the best things we can do and easiest is to remove our shoes before we walk in. Right. And that, that cuts down on a lot. But if we can just dust the areas where our families spend the most time, like if you have small children and they're playing on the floor if yeah. in that area, bedrooms, family room. Um, and then also it seems like the rest of the house becomes less dusty. If we're keeping up on certain areas, yeah. it's, it's amazing how much less time you have to spend overall once you start doing that. Yeah. And that's interesting about the dust piece too, because the part you say like kids crawling on the floor, right? So a lot of times indoors, we'll clean our floor with these cleaning chemicals, then put our toddlers on there who are walking on there and then touching everything and putting it in their mouth. Plus it's getting absorbed through the skin. And then we take them outside and we take them to a park where they've sprayed with pesticides and we put them in the grass and they're crawling around and doing the same thing. So your kids are really being exposed to a lot of these chemicals because they're so close to the ground. And then they start walking and then we have people idling their vehicles and we have the dioxins leaving from the back of you know exhaust of the car and this is right at face level of our children right so you know we see that like kids are really really susceptible to this plus they have smaller bodies so they have the same concentration going into these tinier bodies so it's higher con it accumulates in their body so the dust piece is interesting as well because you know, we also know that people who are exposed to dirt have healthier immune systems. So is there like a balance there? Because when I see this destroyed dust, I'm like thinking about the line of dust on my headboard, you know, that I need to go tackle right after this. And, you know, like, and, you know, is there, yeah, I did, I'm just curious for people who are now going to become like super obsessed with getting rid of all the dirt in their home. Right. And that is such a great point. I haven't been asked that before, but I'm also of the belief that we need a little bit of dirt. Yeah. <laughs> and if we're too clean, if we use too many antibacterial products, then we're actually, you know, it can create super bugs. We, we yeah. destroy our immune system. So yeah, it is a healthy balance between um, completely cleaning our homes. So like antiseptic points <laughs> or just having yeah. that little bit of balance and getting a little bit of dirt and, you know, yeah. getting some germs in our mouth. I mean, that's it helps build our immunity too. Right. And I love that you brought that up, the difference between cleaning to the point where you're like wiping down everything with antiseptics and antibacterial products, because then that's destroying the healthy microbiome um, in your home versus just getting rid of the dust, which is often a collection of those, like you walk on the carpet and those has those have fire retardants and that blows in the air and lands on the shelves. And then you go and sweep and then that goes into your face. And so it, um, 
yeah, no, I like that distinction between the antibacterial version of cleaning versus just the dusting version of cleaning. And that makes me feel a bit calmer <laughs> to be exactly. like, yeah, okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, so I love that you got into this because of the results you saw immediately with your child. And now he's 23 years old. And does he take these, you know, being a 23 year old, does he take care to make sure that he's not bringing in some of these, you know, foods that he's ingesting that have these chemicals and other products? Well, it's a fine balance. <laughs> this is why I tell people like, you know, um, we just can teach our kids the best we know how. And um, yeah. he does do pretty well, I will say. And he's probably the one that listens to me the most and takes me the most seriously. Right. Um, but he still buys things that don't have color. So he always says, well, I right. buy white toothpaste because I don't want the artificial colors. And yeah. he's pretty particular. He cooks a lot at home. Oh, so, and, and pretty healthy, but again, he's, he's still in college. He's about to graduate in December. I'm so excited. Oh. Um, but you know, he's still a college student and he's around things, but I feel like, yeah. and he does, he says the same thing. If he does enough healthy things, he doesn't have to worry so much about the unhealthy things, which really that's what we should all aim for is if we can just work 80, 20, that 80, 20 rule comes totally. in handy for so many things. You know, this is something that we should make fit into our lifestyle rather yeah. than us trying to totally uproot our lifestyle and try to do this because it's almost too hard when we do that. Yeah. So um, that, if we that can 80, really just, 20 rule is great. Yeah. If I can just concentrate 80% on doing the right thing, we don't have to worry about the 20%, especially for our kids. Like if you tell your kid no more cookies ever again, I mean, they're going to go somewhere and eat like a hundred cookies yeah, <laughs> rather no, than the few. A hundred percent, a hundred. I usually tell my kids, you know what? Like, I get that you're going to eat that stuff, but can you just like, at least show me that you've eaten, you know, a few healthy meals in the day. And then the rest of the stuff is just like, okay, I'm going to trust your body. will take care of that. Cause you ate healthy, you know, a few times. And the kids also, and I'm assuming for your son too, just like my kids, because they've been able to experience the difference between having chemicals and not having chemicals and what that does to them. Like my kids will often say like, oh my God, I haven't eaten well for a little bit. Like I need to eat something healthy versus if you're just always perpetually in that state of like every single day, every meal, every cleaning product is assaulting you in these negative ways. You never get to feel good. No, and I love that point. And I, I feel like I could talk about this part forever because it's like, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> but, let's talk about this part. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was gonna say, it reminds me of a story of my son because again, if we tell them, no, you can't have that, they're, they're like, why? But if we tell them why, so I have a really good example with him too, is when he was back in, I think it was junior high and wrestling and he has asthma. So one day he went out to the garage and this is a whole nother topic, but my husband buys popsicles. He's gotten better and buying like, you know, not colored, artificially colored, yeah. but still, but my son went out there and he came back in with a yellow popsicle and I was just like, yeah. <laughs> not cool. So I just kind of looked at him and I said, did you know that yellow number five can actually worsen asthma symptoms and you have a big meet tomorrow. So do you want to go to practice? And then tomorrow we'll just have some trouble. And he just kind of looked at the popsicle, just kind of had this crazy look on his face and he went over to the garbage and threw it away. I was like, wow, that was easy, <laughs> you know, yeah. and still to this day, like he just went back to school not too long ago over the summer, he buys really healthy food over the summer because he knows when wow. he goes back to school, it's harder, but he'll even call and be like, yeah, I made dinner in the crock pot tonight because 
you know, I needed something healthier. So it's, it's amazing. Like you said, if we let our kids know the difference between how they feel when they're healthier and us too, as adults, when we realize how much better we feel, it makes the changes so much easier to go along with. We feel better and better. We'll make more and more changes. So I think that that's just such a, that was a great point you made. Yeah. And I love that story because it's really an example of how you can empower people to make their own choice. Like, Hey, did you know? And then you just leave it at that as opposed to you can't do that or using a fear-based approach or, you know, you're going to get sick if you do that, but Hey, did you know? And then you are empowering them to consider that. And then they might use that in other areas of like, Oh, you know, did you know this cleaning product is this? And so I really love that story because I think we're also in such a fear-based society where we have, you know, so many individuals who are afraid of, you know, like how clean something is or afraid of the food is, you know, potentially toxic. And is this healthy to eat? Like, can I eat a carrot? Like I read carrots or, you know, whatever high on the glycemic index. So we have so many things now because there's so much information. And so we just need to all support each other so that we're making decisions based on just wanting to better ourselves based on, instead of it being based always on fear. Exactly. And that's really why I wrote my book too. And even changed the name of my company to slightly greener because mm. before I was concentrating on scare tactics and I didn't mean to, it just, yeah. it's a scary topic. It's just, it is yeah. what it is, you know, but then I was realizing like, wait a minute, but people want solutions. And, yeah. you know, as I've gone through this, I've been doing it been doing this since 2006 but really this business has been since I think 2016 that really there's so many products that have come onto the market because people are educating themselves and they're demanding these changes so there's companies that are cleaning up their products um, and so many different companies that are developing every day that actually do have really great safer products and it's been really exciting to watch. Yeah, no, that's incredible work that you are doing because people do need to learn about this and and to know that it is literally life-changing. Like you change the trajectory of your son's life just through that experiment of removing a few things and colorings out of his food. And then he was able to go back to school, not get labeled, you know, continue on and graduate from elementary school, high school, and now college. Like that is huge where his life could have had another trajectory right? You know, it could have just gone down like many different routes, but you know, you really set them up on a good path. And as parents, that's what we're here to do. We're just here to like, you know what, here's a good path. Let's see if you can follow it. And yeah, that slightly greener method is awesome for people because it puts that pressure. So I have a question around um, some of the additional toxins that we really need to pay attention to. Um, And that like, you know, maybe just some of the things that we ignore because we like the product and we just want to use it. But what are some of those additional things that we need to avoid? Um, just looking for toxins or, I mean, ingredients to be on the lookout for. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just, just, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think like in food, one of the biggest ones I like to recommend avoiding um, is monosodium glutamate. And a lot of people think about it just in maybe Chinese food or takeout, but really it's, it's the number one preservative used like in the world or flavor enhancer. So you can find it in so many different processed foods and snack foods, and it's actually kind of hard to find without it. And then a sneaky way companies can get away with saying no MSG added for the people who are trying to avoid it. Um, you can see no, no MSG added on the front of the can or product, and it's got a little 
I don't remember what the name of the symbol is, but like a little symbol of a cross type thing. Mm -hmm. And then you look on the back and it says, except for that, which is naturally added in some of these things. So if you see like hydrolyzed wheat, wheat protein, that contains MSG. Um, autolyzed yeast is another one. So that's why it's so important for us to educate ourselves on these labels to know what to look for. Because yeah. some of the ways that food companies can get away with it is that. But um, something about MSG that I always thought was interesting is it actually turns off the hormone leptin that tells us that we're full. So if we've ever sat in front of a TV and eaten a bag of chips, which we also shouldn't sit in front of the TV and eat a bag of chips yeah. <laughs> um, because that also shuts down some of our digestive processes. Yeah. Um, but if you've ever eaten a whole bag of chips, then you know, you can blame maybe the MSG because it didn't tell your leptin didn't tell your body that you were full. It also has a lot to do with the prefrontal cortex and affecting the neurotransmitters that have to do with organization and behavior mm. and impulsivity. So um, there's so many different reasons to avoid MSG. So that's one of them I definitely recommend avoiding in food. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was reading that there's like dozens and dozens of different names for MSG. So they don't have to, like, it doesn't, it won't just say MSG. Most stuff now will say no MSG, but it'll have like five different types of MSG in the in one product even, um, because there's just so many different names for it. Um, and, okay, so beyond MSG, what are some other things that we can look for? Um, actually, BPA is another one, believe it or not food is actually one of the biggest exposures to BPA. So not only the plastic food storage containers, but also canned items. Yeah. And they put it in the epoxy lining to separate something like tomatoes from the metal lining of the can. So if we can avoid canned food as much as possible, because again, if it's BPA free, they might've added something else that's similar. So something yeah. like that. Um, another one I usually like to talk about is carrageenan or carrageenan. I'm not mm. sure the pronunciation of that Me one. Neither, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just, that one. Yeah. Um, but that one's used as an emulsifier and that's linked to things like IBS and inflammation and the colon, colon cancer. Um, they've done some research on that. So even though that one is marketed as being, you know, coming from seaweed, just because it's natural or comes from a natural source doesn't mean it's any safer. So I always like to bring that one up. Um, and then the other ones I always like to bring up are artificial colors, yeah. which again, we know that they're linked to behavior issues. And actually in Europe, many of the products over there have it labeled saying this product is known to cause hyperactivity in children. So wow. there's a warning, but not here. Um, yeah. The other thing is um, the top three most used red 40, yellow number five, yellow six. Um, yellow number five, again, can worsen asthma symptoms. But they also can be, um, they can contain benzidine, mm -hmm. which is a cancer causer. So there's a link to cancer with those artificial colors too. And then benzoate preservatives like sodium benzoate, they can be found in things like, um, you know, pickles, anything that's preserved, something like that. Um, and what they found when you do the two together, the artificial colors and the sodium benzoate, they can cause hyperactivity issues in children who have never even been diagnosed with ADHD. They oh just all of a sudden goodness. might become hyperactive. So those are definitely some things I recommend avoiding. Yeah. And this is, you know, these are just small things that you could do. Like you could just have a little card in your wallet, you know, that you just whip it out again. Cause I know it's hard to remember these things, you don't always look it up on the phone. And so you could just have a card in your wallet. So that way, when you're at the store, you can pull out the card. What I like to tell people, like, you know, for example, you know, when you said no canned food, well, when I, my clients are reversing their chronic diseases, there's no canned food. And because of 
all the things that you mentioned, as well as that food was packaged like maybe a year to two years ago. We need food that is like the most nutritious, the most fresh. And so the one of the things that I say to people is like, hey, one of the easiest ways to shop so you don't even have to read labels is you just buy food that has one ingredient. And, you know, so... So you can go buy fruit roll-ups that have all of these chemicals that you're, you know, talking about, or you can buy an apple, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, or you can go buy like a bag of McCain's potato fries from the freezer, or you can just buy the potato and literally just wash the potato and throw it in the oven. And so you just slowly start transitioning some of these things that are your favorite eating items and just go, oh, what would it be like to consume that in its whole form, one ingredient form? And then there's just no labels that you even have to worry about reading. Um, Yeah, because it is hard to remember a lot of this and because the chemicals are always changing, right? And it's like, oh, how do we remember this? But that little card in the wallet, somebody told me that trick once and that really worked. Um, So with the effects like we know that these chemicals disrupt our hormones, we know that they are, um, they can stimulate the growth of cancer cells, we know that it is, um, you know, all uh, it affects our mood, it affects our ability to, um, to be able to control or manage our nervous system. But, you know, how are we seeing this difference play out between children and adults? Oh, sure. I love that question. And um, children are actually just more susceptible to these health effects. Um, And you had mentioned earlier, they have smaller bodies, but they're taking in the same amount of toxins as we are. But um, that term children aren't little adults (laughs) um, really rings true for this too, because they don't have the detoxification pathways necessary to detoxify these chemicals and to get them out as quickly as an adult can. So that's one reason. They also have thinner skin. Um, and like you said, too, they're more closely tied to their environment. They're crawling on the floor, they're licking their hands, they're chewing their toys, the dog, anything that they can get their hands on. So there's so many different ways, but actually when these chemicals get into their bodies, and again, like we had mentioned, so many of these chemicals have not been tested and so many weren't around like when we were younger. There's so many now that with so many years of life ahead of these children, and we don't know how these chemicals act synergistically. So we don't know what this can cause later in life, why, which is why it's so important to really, especially for our kids, for us too, but especially for our kids, we don't know what we're preventing down the road. Yeah. And that is something that we really, really have to consider because we're living in a world right now where we do have 80,000 different chemicals, you know, circulating in our world, um, in our homes, our offices, our playgrounds, um, you know, in any given year. And one in two people are getting diagnosed with cancer right now. And we know that 97% of these cancers are not genetic, only about 3% of them are. So that means our environment what we're exposing our body to internally and externally is contributing to that. And, you know, with all the information that you're providing, like this is the power that you have, you've given people this power to be able to um, take their health back and, you know, really try and mitigate those future events, like being diagnosed with cancer, like being, you know, potentially having kids that are um, growing up with learning disabilities, because of these simple chemicals that we can choose to avoid. Exactly. And even if we already have something going on like cancer or a learning disability, um, that shows that we already have a toxic overload in our body. So the more that we can 
empty that toxic load bucket, um, as I've heard it called, the better off we'll be, even if we're already currently in something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helps people with managing their conditions and, and even reversing them as well, um, for sure. So what is the difference between men and women? How do these chemicals affect um, the, the different genders? Oh, that's a very interesting question. And I, I've studied a little bit of that, but um, some of the studies I've read where um, certain things affect males more than females or females more than males, they actually don't have a definite answer for yet. Mm. Um, they've just done the studies and know it's there, but more studies are needed. So that's such a great question, but I don't exactly know the answer to that. But different hormones is one thing. Yeah. So both genders have different levels of hormones um, that's where we really need to be careful of these endocrine disruptors. There's also another class of endocrine disruptors called obesogens. And these are endocrine disruptors that can actually cause weight gain. Mm. So it's, it's just a, a lot of things about, um, I'd say hormones is a big issue, but that's not one that I a hundred percent know the answer to. Right. And I know that, um, I, I love that, it, like what you said about how we need more research done on this specifically. And, you know, one of the things in science is that we always have to be careful to say like, this doesn't cause that, or this does cause that, you know, we're looking for statistical significance to say, you know, that um, yes, there's, you know, some probability that it does or, but I love what you said earlier about the precautionary principle that, you know, the studies will eventually come out and it might take years and people have to fund the studies. They have to do the studies. Somebody has to be willing to publish the studies. So also just because we haven't read the studies, it's not because they weren't done. It's just that nobody decided to publish them. So while we're waiting for the science to catch up, we do need to use that precautionary principle where we just say, you know what, my body's amazing. We don't want to put these toxins in. We may not understand how it affects, you know, um, men versus women, but let's just take the precautionary principle, which is, I love that you brought that up earlier. And especially now because sterility in men is increasing and infertility in women is increasing. Like we know a lot of this is due to our lifestyle and all of these chemicals that we are taking in. So sure, the science might not be definitive to say this causes that, but mm -hmm. we can, we can start, uh, what did you call it? Reducing our toxic bucket overload. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, a lot of these, we already know, like you said, we know the results. So we know that the sterility and things like that, we already know some of these are linked to certain conditions and just because we don't know the science yet doesn't mean so again I always like to recommend erring on the side of caution yeah. and just you know just in case but also you can't really perform these experiments on humans no. because who's who's going to volunteer for that <laughs> so a lot of them we just don't know but we know there are links to or you know probable cause I always like to say this can cause this may cause and some yeah. people are like does it or doesn't it and my answer to that is we don't know because what would cause it in me might not cause it in you. There's so yeah. many different ways, like, um, you know, our detoxification pathways, our nutrient status, so yeah. many different things, our environment that can turn on or turn off these genes or um, something that will cause these conditions, but always just erring on the side of caution if there is that link. 
Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, and yeah, we all could be functioning that way because in Europe, they tend to function more that way. They use a precautionary principle more often than not. They don't wait for the science to say, they go, you know what, this doesn't feel good. So we're not going to say it's okay for humans to do this. So let's just ban that chemical until the studies come out saying, no, it's absolutely safe. Whereas in North America, like the US and Canada, we're like, let's use it until we see enough people dying and getting sick and then we'll ban it. And then usually you can't ban it at that point. It takes years to pull it out of the market. And so Europe definitely, um, can, they, they do a lot better in this area than we do here. We can learn from the Europeans for sure. So what is one of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to clean their home? Oh gosh, I would say it's using those antibacterial and coming in, you know, everything blazing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> too hard. Um, and, and again, too, in the time we're in and the germs that we're worried about going in way too strong on some of these, um, because they found really that just plain old soap and water is really the ideal way, especially with this virus in particular, they found that it's got an envelope membrane. So a little bit of friction will break down that membrane. And then we can get rid of that virus in our homes. Same thing with hand washing. That's why they recommended hand washing is so important, yeah. um, even over hand sanitizer. So if we can just use things like soap and water in our homes, we don't have to come in, you know, with the bleach and the wipes, the disinfectant wipes. Mm -hmm. We can really just use soap and water. And then um, I have another cleaning product that I recently found. If you want to know like what yeah. that is, it's amazing. Um, because even now I saw they're doing shortages in my area. I've seen on the news that they're stopping people from buying some of these disinfectant products or they're at least putting a limit on them. Wow. Um, and I was actually at Disney World last year when everything shut down. I did all the research and they said, okay, you have until probably April before you should really not travel. So I packed up all my vitamin C, my hand sanitizer, and we went. Everything shut down in the middle. And by the time I came home, I couldn't get my hands on toilet paper or disinfectants. And I was freaked out. Right. Um, so I did a lot of research. And um, two things that you can do that's a little less toxic if you want to disinfect is um, to actually use hydrogen peroxide or rubbing alcohol in right. the place of bleach. So um, the thing that a lot of people do wrong, though, when they try to disinfect is not doing it correctly with um, cleaning first because right. dirt and grime will actually lessen the effectiveness of these disinfectants. Also not wetting the surface thoroughly enough and not letting it sit long enough. Oh, interesting. Um, so I was using that. And then I found this product that I think is so amazing. It's called electrolyzed water. And it actually turns regular water into hypochlorous acid I believe oh, right. I think I have that right. And sodium hydroxide. So it's a cleaner and a disinfectant. It's completely non-toxic and it's rated on the EPA's list N for fighting coronavirus. Um, but it's rated for ICUs and schools and hospitals. So I've been using that and I replaced all my cleaning products with it. And it's just water because all they do is adjust the pH of the water. Yeah, you just put right. a capsule of salt water and vinegar in there and yeah. it's just a little countertop machine and it's it's amazing. And I don't do well with bleach. So it yeah. has a little chlorine -y scent, if chlorine -y is a word. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Gonna, we're gonna make it a word. <laughs> we are, I just burped yeah. it. I don't know what I just did. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So using something like that, it's so easy. And it's, you know, a lot of these things, like you had mentioned also before about, um, they can be expensive starting out, yeah. especially cleaning products. But the good news is that so many of them are either concentrated or powdered or something like this with these capsules 
you know, there's cents on the dollar in the long yeah. run. They last longer. They, and, and again, not having to buy all these cleaning products. Um, you know, I've replaced, I think almost all of them. The only thing I have is one all multi-purpose cleaner that I love that's Castile soap based and that's it. Right. So we don't need as much as we think we do. It's, it's just clever marketing to say that we need a different disinfectant or a different cleaner for every surface of the home. That's, that's just not true. You can DIY things. Um, yeah. If you're not the DIY type, I'm not usually, but I can make 22 chapsticks in four minutes, <laughs> or I can make four cleaning products in 30 seconds. Um, you know, these things are actually easier and it's actually kind of more fun lifestyle to live because we yeah. feel better, you know, yeah. our allergy symptoms lessen. There's so many different things you can do, but going back to that electrolyzed water, it's just such a quick and easy way to clean your home and not have to go in and just be, you know, cause if we're killing everything, that's yeah. not going to help our immune systems. Yeah. Cause we're creating those super bugs and then we don't have any resiliency. And then, yeah, we need that diversity of uh, bacteria in our life and bacteria will keep itself in balance as long as we don't go in and disrupt it, you know, and, and often when we do try and get rid of all that bad bacteria, it actually proliferates as well. And it just, um, ends up taking over. So you, you, like as humans, we think we can control that whole microbiome environment, but we really cannot, like we really need to kind of step away, let it balance itself out. And the way we do that is like you said, like just water and soap, you know, and even for people who are spraying their foods and putting all the chemicals to clean their vegetables and their fruits, studies have shown if you just like fill your sink up with water, clean your sink out, but fill it up with water or just run the fruits and vegetables underwater for three seconds, not even with any soap, you kill 99.9% .9 of anything that could be harmful for you to you. That's it. Like just water um, is enough to often do this. So I love that. Those are really, really good tips. I often sometimes just, you know, lemon, um, I squeeze it into a water bottle and spritz that or some vinegar. Sometimes I don't like the smell of vinegar, but we actually started using just microfiber cleaning cloths because our university did a study that showed that just using the water in the microfiber cloth cleans 99.9%, the same effectiveness as like using bleach, but you're not damaging the good bacteria, bad bacteria. You're like taking enough of the bad bacteria away so that they're, that everything is like safe, clean, disinfected. And all you're using is water in a microfiber cloth. I know when I started looking at those two, I was so amazed and it has something to do with the positive and the ne negative draw, but it can pick up dirt and dust and yeah. you know, leave your surface clean with just a little bit of water. And I, that's all I use now because exactly. it's, yeah, it's so good to know. And then there's, you know, you have to wash them super carefully so you don't destroy the fibers, but that's the only drawback. I mean, it's yeah. so easy to have. I've cut down on my paper towel use. and Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We just have a big stack of them and they're, yeah, they are amazing. Um, so one of the questions that I have, because there's so many cleaning products out there on the market and they're all labeled green and natural. So like, are these green cleaning products truly what they say that they are? Are they natural and do they work? Not necessarily. And I love this question because just because they market it as safer for the environment doesn't mean it's safer for you. So a oh, lot of times, yeah, there's, there's so many different ways that um, that they can get around this. And especially with same thing with beauty care, they'll say like, no parabens, but you look on the back and you're like, Ooh, but it's got a lot of something up, you know, a lot of other things, same thing with the cleaning products. But the hard thing about the cleaning products is again, 
there's so many proprietary formulas and loopholes that companies don't have to list every single ingredient. So something that you'll commonly see on the back of the label is anionic surfactants. Well, which anionic surfactants were used? We don't even know, or enzymes. Well, we, we don't know which right. ones. Um, and cleaning products can actually off-gas into the air even when they're not being used. So that's another issue. Um, but a lot of these green cleaning products, um, if you look on the back, they have some ingredients that you just know are not, not necessarily non-toxic. So they could be marketed as green and not having certain things um, like maybe no phosphates or things like that, but they, they have other things. So that's why, again, so important for us to educate ourselves as consumers because cleaning products are really one of the hardest labels to read. Yeah. But if we know what to look for rather than what not to look for, or again, we can make our own, we can make so many, we can do so many things with Castile soap, um, you know, and, and vinegar, as long as we don't use it on stone surfaces like granite, because it can etch. There's right. so many other things that we can do, but it's, it's very important to actually look and try to decipher the labels if we can on those green products. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because my daughter the other day too, she saw something and she was like, but mom, it's biodegradable. And I'm like, oh, we haven't had this discussion about biodegradable, you know? And just because something is biodegradable, you have to ask how long does it take to biodegrade in nature when it's exposed mm -hmm. to heat and light and other things in the environment, you know? But a lot of these products can take like a thousand years to biodegrade. It's biodegradable, but it takes a thousand years. But what's it doing in our human body is the question yeah, that we have to ask. So um, I'm really glad that you spoke to that. And again, it just comes down to like, I love what you said, like, you know, you don't have to buy all those plastic bottles anymore. You can literally have like a wonderful reusable bottle, a little spray bottle that you refill um, and you can just make your own cleaning products like 32 chapsticks in six seconds or, you know, like you mentioned. <laughs> and exactly. Or a clean or a window cleaner. It's just a 50-50 blend of distilled water and white vinegar. And yeah. it's so easy. So I buy vinegar and glass bottles and I'll either attach a spray pump. So I'll save my spray pump for some other cleaning products, or you can ask neighbors just you know, really clean them out and attach those to even the rubbing alcohol top or the hydrogen peroxide or white vinegar. And it makes it so much easier to spray down a surface to disinfect or clean. It's just, there's so many different fun, cheaper things that you can do. And you free up all your cupboard space instead of having oh. all those. Yeah. That's what exactly. I love too. That's what yeah. I love too. Um, and how old are your other two kids? Oh, sure. Uh, oh gosh. They both just had birthdays. So 18, no, 19, 17, 19, and 23. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. so I love how you navigate, you talked about your oldest son um, and navigating that. And so how is it with your other kids? Like, are they, you know, super on board with everything or, you know, what are they like around the house with, and especially with a mom who just knows a lot of information about, you know, cleaning products. Like, Exactly. I know. And it's hard. Um, they do not take me as seriously. <laughs> so I will say so. The, and, and again, they're teenagers, they're driving, they have jobs, they can go get whatever they want food wise. Yeah. Um, my 19 year old is a fully licensed hairstylist. She oh, did cosmetology school during high school. So she's highlighting hair, she's using all the chemicals. Um, so what I do is just at home, I buy as many products for her as I can. Yeah. And have safer products for her here. And then, you know, the food too, with what we're cooking and what we're doing. So it's easier for her to do the 80, 20 rule or the 60, yeah. 40 rule, whatever it yeah. is with what she's using. Um, but again, there's just so many other things that we can do to support 
So when we do have those other things, whether it's in our career or anything that we don't have control over, um, we, there's so much that we do at home. And then my 17 year old too, um, again, it's a little tougher. They love their makeup. So I just yes. try to buy them. I try to sneak in the safer makeup and yeah. as much as I can and buy that for them. Or again, just explaining to them why. Yeah. So, you know, with the body sense and the stuff they're using, I finally got them to stop using those. Oh my gosh. I mean, I would choke. <laughs> I it's, And the um, more you don't use those products, it's amazing how our body becomes so sensitive when you yes. smell somebody else wearing these things and you're just like, Oh my gosh. Oh and my you God. actually can decipher the chemicals in them too. When you're not like, if you don't expose yourself to that, then all of a sudden you recognize, mm -hmm. Oh my God, that stuff is not good. Like it's making me want to choke. Whereas when you're using yeah. it every day, it's almost like your body shuts down and doesn't even recognize it anymore. Mm -hmm. So give yourself, like I said, like to say to people like, Hey, you know what, just for three weeks, try not using all of these things and then go back to trying to use it and you'll realize how strong it is. Oh yeah. Same thing with candles or your scent or anything. Yeah. So again, going back to the kids is I don't want to tell them, no, you can't have that. Like stop yeah. using that. I feel like the more we talk with them rather than at them, yeah. the better they do. So I kind of just make a joke. I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. You're just, you know, your hormones, if, I don't know, just trying to just go up there and just kind of make light of it, but just be like, you know, if you have acne, because, um, you know, for a while there, I don't remember one of them was breaking out. It's like, could yes. be some of your, believe it or not, your, your cologne or something yeah. or your, your body spray. So just kind of going up there and just kind of mentioning, or just kind of making a little like light of it. Um, but not telling them no and no more. I feel like that's the worst yeah. part. And that backfires on me a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. People so. need an alternative. They need to know like mm -hmm. everything that you've given us, like, okay, instead of this, use this. And definitely with our kids, we have to show them those alternatives. And, you know, it's not just a matter of like, stop using unhealthy products, but Hey, I like what you said. Like you just sneak the products in. And we did that with, um, uh, you know, the brand might be costly to some, but we started using beauty counter. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, the owner of that company, she's done a ton of research as well. And she's really tried to clean up, um, her cosmetic line and beauty care line. I don't know what you think about beauty counter. We're not sponsored by them. So I think we can say whatever we want, but do you have any thoughts on that company? I think it's definitely cleaner. I just don't, um, really affiliate myself with, um, network marketing necessarily. Right. Like yeah. That. So I just, cause I want to remain completely unbiased. So I don't really, right say too much when it comes to something like that but I think it is definitely a cleaner brand um yeah. so something to look at for sure yeah and so can I ask you what like right now you look beautiful and your face is shining and amazing but you also don't look like you have a lot of makeup on so yeah. do you use any makeup products and if you do what do you use I do. Um, I love 100% pure. I don't really have anything on right now. I have mascara on and I think that's about it. Awesome. Um, love it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like that's a slightly greener thing, but I have TV interviews this week and I won't necessarily right. use the safest products because some right. of them, you know, that's why I always said too, like keeping your home non-toxic without tossing your favorite mascara is one of the things I say. Right. So when I do have a special occasion, there are some great make, uh, mascaras and makeups that are great for every day. Um, I just choose to not wear makeup because I know a lot of those ingredients can age your skin. Yeah. So I found a great skincare line. Um, so I just really try to take care of that that way, wear SPF. Um, but there are definitely, I like it 100% pure. Um, my skincare is a combination of a couple different brands, Alatura and Green Envy. Um, right. 
So I kind of feel like if you don't use too much, because a lot of times we think we need all these different things and what they can do is actually age our skin, which means we need more things to come in and yeah. correct the damage. So, um, you know, I'm going to be 47 in January. So it's something I'm just really cautious about and just trying to use the cleanest products because I really feel like some of those other ones can really age the skin faster. Yeah. And I have found the same thing that, um, that, I mean, I use water to wash my face and, uh, use maybe sometimes coconut oil to remove mascara if I'm wearing it. And, um, which is really easy. So like, again, you reduce all of that packaging and that plastic packaging that comes into your house when you don't have to buy these products and as well, your skin just gets to breathe, which I think is really important. And I know not everybody is in that place. Like some people are, have to be in a place where they look fresh and alive all the time. Um, and so then they tend to wear more makeup and more cover-ups and things like that. But there are definitely um, brands out there that uh, you could lean towards in using. And again, remembering that, like you said, don't get influenced by um, the, the green marketing, the green washing, um, that some companies, so you really have to dive in to know these ingredients for sure. Like it's really important to do that. Um, no, I love that. And so, and your kids are, are your kids, girl, your son, you have an older son and then two girls, then two girls. Yep. Yeah. So they're wearing makeup, I'm sure. And they are, yeah, yeah. a little bit safer brands. Um, I don't think they wear it every day. Cause I found too, that once you get used to not wearing so much, because I used to wear makeup every single day, Yeah, me too. you know, you kind of get used to not wearing it. And like, I had skin problems clear up really fast. Um, but again, for some who do have to wear them every day, the good news is there's so many great clean brands that are out there that have great products. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just love how this information that you're passing on to your kids and knowing that kids as well will take detours, but then they usually all come back. Um, You know, often it's when they have their own kids and they're like, I got to keep my kids healthy. And they have that even bigger motivation for themselves, which is amazing. Um, So can you tell me how can listeners find out more about you and all the work that you're doing so that they can learn how to detoxify their homes in an easier, faster, safer, less expensive way? Oh, sure. My website is slightlygreener.com. And um, the book is called The Slightly Greener Method. That's available wherever books are sold. Um, And it also comes with um, a a website that is just for the book. And it has those downloadable cheat sheets of ingredients to avoid that are mentioned in the book, just because I want to help supplement so that it becomes easier because I really feel like it becomes automatic once you start doing this. Yeah. Um, So thanks to support you there. And then Instagram, I'm slightly greener. And that's where I like to do a lot of like how-to videos and that type of thing. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm going to definitely um, hop into your website. I love how-to videos because it's so fun once you do that. And then you can, like you say, make 32 chapsticks and give them away to your friends, you know, or make, you know, cleaning products and give those away to your friends. I used to teach a um, make your own cleaning product. And maybe you can tell me about this. So borax. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Is borax. What do you think about borax? You know what? I have differing feelings about that. I know some people have some really strong feelings against it. Yeah. Um, and I definitely know there are some health concerns, but I mean, some of the, as long as we don't use it in a lot of DIY things, I think it's yeah. fine. 
Okay. So, so I'm just curious about that because all the kids now, like my kids are a little bit younger. So my youngest is 10 and she makes slime all the time. Like slime is the new craze um, that your kids might've missed, I think. But well, they were my, there. Oh, were they? Oh my <laughs> they gosh. It's, yeah. It keeps coming back. Oh my gosh. It's like slime oh everywhere. Yes. Um, but it's also exciting because it is chemistry experiments and it gives me the opportunity to talk to the kids. But borax is still one of those ones where I'm like, uh, especially because they do touch it, you know, and they're mm -hmm. playing with it a long time. But I also found it's an amazing cleaning product, like for, um, you know, for soaking our tea towels and it, you know, and it gets them really, really clean and fresh. Do you have any um, tips for tea towels? For tea towels? Uh, yeah. How to get them smelling nice and clean and fresh. Yeah. Well, I have, way. Yeah. Well, I, I love this laundry detergent that I've been using because I found out about stripping laundry. I don't know. Oh. I do it exactly the right way, <laughs> but it sounds kind of similar um, where I just kind of fill up the washing basin or the sink in the laundry room. Yeah. Oh, I call it a washing basin. Washing. Back in the 1800s. <laughs> what just happened there? Oh, wait, I don't even know what the thing's called now. Like laundry <laughs> yeah. tub? Yeah. Sink? I don't know. Yeah, so sink. I that up. The laundry sink. Yeah, that's yes. awesome. Oh gosh. Um, so I fill that up <laughs> with hot water. You grab your washboard. and <laughs> Exactly. I just scrub. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's too funny. Um, so I throw some um, laundry, they've got some uh, super powder and it's laundry enzymes. So if you just let it sit in there for a few hours, I do the same thing with my white towels too. It takes, I don't know what it does, takes all the residue off and awesome. the water comes out really murky, but then you just throw them in the wash and they come out so soft and smelling so good. Okay, so. good. So that's, yeah, I do that with borax. And so I'll often soak the stuff that is just like, it just never seems to get clean. And that's exactly what happens. Like I took my, you know, the pillow protectors that you have on your pillow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think, I don't know. How, I don't know why I haven't washed them. Well, my husband hasn't taken his off. I think I have always stripped the beds and take those off, but he didn't. And I was like, what is the color of that pillow protector? That's interesting. And so oh, I did exactly that. I put it in the water and I use borax, but I, I am really curious to see what was the product that you said that you use? What's it called? Oh, do you want the brand name? Yeah. Oh, Molly Suds. And I have gotten, I've done some reels on that on Instagram because I have gotten purple hair dye out of my daughter's clothes, which can never come out. And I got grease out of my husband's shirt, which never comes come up. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, okay. So now, so yeah. My daughter calls me from friends' houses saying, how do you get salsa out of a shirt? How do you do this? How do you do that? I'm like, who would have thought I was like domestic and knowing, how to clean? but it's such a good cleaning product and it's completely yeah. non-toxic, but it's, it's, they use some great enzymes and it really just takes everything out. Amazing. And that, and that's exactly what happened is I cleaned my husband's, um, I soaked it with the borax. I'm going to check and see the ingredients of the Molly suds to see if there's similarities and, um, and the water turned the craziest murky color and I was like so disgusted but also so excited and then yes, of course, same thing. yeah exactly <laughs> it's like the most exciting thing and then of course just threw it in the wash and it just like you said it's like so soft it smells so good and it's so clean and white again um so yeah it really makes a difference I'm glad we brought that up because I think that's a hard one that we struggle with it's like how to get stains out of stuff it really is yeah yeah yeah, no, that's really good. Stripping the laundry. I'd never heard that term. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, so we know where to find you. We're going to put the links below. Everybody can sign up. Please, everyone, just follow what this beautiful woman is doing, Tanya Harris, um, because she's going to help you eliminate all those toxins out of your work and life environment so that you can live a healthier and brighter life. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah.
And as promised, Tanya delivers. Her knowledge is extensive. She knows the steps that you can take today to start cleaning up your life. So don't wait a second longer. Choose one tiny task that you're going to do today and just start implementing one tiny task a day or a week. And at the end of this year, you'll have implemented what if you did it weekly, 52 different things that you're currently not doing now. So go back, listen to this podcast again and again, get Tanya's book and start to implement everything that she is saying in baby steps, one thing a day, one thing a week, one thing a month, and you'll be way further ahead than you are now in cleaning up your life. Now, what are the things that we are doing at The Green Mustache? Super excited to announce that we are launching our, our Green Mustache Certified Chef Training Program. So this is for restaurant owners and their entire culinary team to teach them how they can turn the foods that they are already making into foods that heal instead of foods that harm. And so what does that mean? That means eliminating the refined ingredients, the processed ingredients, and really truly eliminating everything that they were taught in chef school to use to make food delicious. Now we're all about making food nutritious and delicious and helping other chefs understand how they can do that the same way we've been doing it for the last eight years at our restaurants, the Green Mustache, which are located in British Columbia, Canada, but also know that we have 10 locations coming to New York soon. Once we can get over these borders, once COVID is behind us, you'll see the first location open up one of 10 locations in New York. Another thing that we are launching in any moment now is our Grounded in Our Roots short documentary. So head on over to our website. The link is below at greenmustache.com, 22 million strong. Just learn more about our mission to help 22 million people across North America learn how to use food as medicine to reverse their chronic degenerative diseases. And we're kicking it off with an amazing short doc created by InLight Films and that covers my run and bike ride across Canada. And we just completed the bike tour across BC, which was exceptional. We learned a lot. It was tough. It was hard. You're going to learn how I went from being sedentary, workaholic, mama in an office chair to learning how to ride a bike on the road, how to run long distance and how to get my butt across British Columbia, which for any of you who don't know where that is, it's in the Western hemisphere of Canada just uh, north of Washington State in the U.S., and it's a huge distance. So you'll learn about how I did that and everything that 22 Million Strong is about, which is about working with BIPOC communities. So that's communities of Indigenous members and people of color because they are the ones that have been completely disenfranchised from their land, disconnected from their land. They are have been forced to live on some of the worst lands that grow, don't grow as stitch of food and often they live in food deserts which means that they cannot access clean real food that many of you and I if you're listening to this podcast can access on a daily basis often they get their food out of gas stations if they can get fresh food it's extremely expensive like up to ten dollars for a banana can you imagine paying ten dollars for a banana and so they're forced to eat refined food, processed food, highly, highly processed food that only contributes to more disease like diabetes and heart disease. So head on over 
to our website to get on the wait list for when that documentary goes live and to learn more about what you can do in 2022 to help people get access to clean real food or just to help yourself learn about how to use food as medicine. So thanks for being with us on the Eat Real to Heal podcast. Stay tuned as we are going to be releasing a new podcast every week for you. And it'll be a mix of long form podcasts like the one I did with Tanya Harris and short form podcasts where I give you little nuggets of juicy information that you can take and start implementing today. So just start small, implement, and before you know it, the year will be out and you will see the healthier, more vibrant, energetic version of yourself that is free of pain, free of your disease, and so that you can go out there and pour your gifts into the world. Thanks for being with me today and see you again next week.